the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You please be seated. I want to introduce to you the Reverend Dr. Jake Stum. This is Jake from ARDF, not Jake from State Farm, uh, whom I'm sure you will see tonight on television at some point. Uh, Jake is the Executive Director of the Anglican Relief and Development Fund, and he's joining us today to preach as a part of our celebration of World Mission Sunday. Uh, This is the day across the Anglican Church in North America where we turn our attention to God's mission to the world. ARDF has been a real strategic part of that mission. Jake will tell you a little bit about that as he preaches. Jake uh, is living, are you originally from Cleveland, Tennessee? Originally from Kentucky. From Kentucky. But But currently living in Cleveland, Tennessee. He's married to America. They have three sons. And he's been in his role with ARDF for the last four years. Kelly Hample is with Jake. Do you want to just stand and wave? Kelly is Director of Development with ARDF, and she'll be here all morning. You'll have a chance to meet and greet them out in the lobby area after the service. Let me pray for Jake as he prepares to preach. Lord God, would you set your spirit upon Jake and upon us, that we might hear your word, that we might be drawn into your mission to the world, that we might be transformed and equipped by the power of your spirit for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, it's great to be here today. I I am born and raised in Kentucky, so I think that we would have a lot in common other than who we cheer for in basketball. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, thank you, Father John, and the leadership for allowing me to come. We, we planned this almost a year ago, so it's been a long time. I've been excited to be here and be present with you. Um, for those of you who don't know, your church has been a long-running partner with Anglican Relief and Development Fund for, for many, many years. Uh, one, one of our most significant partners uh, over the course of the history of our organization. So uh, your church is very dear to our hearts. And I just want to say to everyone here, thank you so much for your generosity to your church and in turn your generosity, the church's generosity to us. You've been a blessing and we're so grateful. So I really want to accomplish three things today and I want to accomplish these three things in a short period of time. So let's just jump right in. First, I want to tell you a little bit about Anglican Relief and Development Fund. What a long name for an organization. And if you've been around the Anglican Church in North America, you know we all love our acronyms. Um, so I want to tell you about ARDF. For those of you who might not know who we are or what we do, I want to preach a short homily. And then at the end, I want to tell you some pretty awesome stories, uh, just a few stories of what's happening around the world through the global church. Sometimes I get so sick and tired of all the bad news on the TV and that is everywhere we turn and I feel commissioned 
to tell you some of the good news happening around the world. So first, let me tell you briefly about ARDF. The easiest way to do this is by our acronym. So the A is for Anglican. We are a separate entity from the Anglican Church of North America, separate 501c3, but very closely aligned. We were birthed on the exact same day by the, by the first archbishop of the ACNA, Bob Duncan. So we are, have been a symbiotic relationship uh, ever since the very beginning, ARDF and the ACNA. Uh, so we are proud to be Anglican and partner with our American and global Anglican partners. 85 million Anglicans in the world, and it's amazing to be a part of this family. Uh, and we were commissioned, we were birthed to do two things, which are the second two letters in our name. The first one is R for relief. So we do both international and domestic relief. Internationally, we usually just send funds. So a disaster happens and we find an Anglican church that's doing response works and we try to get them the resources they need to respond to that disaster. And when I started this job, I was overwhelmed by the number of international disasters that happen every single week. There's something happening around the globe and Anglican churches are responding and helping people in crisis. And it's a joy of ours to help get them resources uh, internationally. We also do domestic response. And over the last couple of years, we've worked really hard to develop a domestic response network. So now we have a whole network of people and it's our dream that every parish across the province would have a disaster response coordinator. So if your heart's burning right now, please see me after the service. Um, and we're really trying to build out a network that when a, when a disaster unfortunately happens in America that we have people, human resources and financial resources that we can mobilize to partner with that Anglican church that's in the area that's been impacted and help people on what might be the worst day of their entire life to show up and be the hands and feet of Christ for them. And then the second thing we were commissioned to do is, is the third letter in our acronym is for development. We do international development projects. And that is every year we have a global council of international archbishops and they help us select a batch of international projects. Um, and so just as an example, we have eight that were selected and now it's our job to go find the money and partners and people who will pray for these projects this year. And uh, there's a, we're doing a trauma healing project in Tigray. So your church helped us fund relief work in Tigray, Ethiopia. And now the civil war is over and they are, they, the church there has asked us to help them do a massive trauma healing project. So we're gonna be training clergy and uh, in, the, in that province to go out and host trauma healing and try to bring healing to that area. Uh, so that's one of our projects. We're also building a, a girls school in Angola, uh, which is an exciting project. We're doing a vocational training center in Laos, Southeast Asia, a very unreached part of the world. Um, and five more that I don't have time to tell you about, unfortunately. Uh, so every year we have a new batch of development projects. So those are the two things that we do, relief and development. And the last letter is F for fund. We are fundraisers and we feel very compelled. Uh, our mission is to come alongside Anglican churches around the world to get them the resources they need to reach their community. And we feel very compelled to keep doing that at an even higher level. Uh, than we ever have in the past. So that's us, that's what we do very briefly. Um, and it's just an honor to be here. And I wanna preach a short homily, but first let me pray for us. Pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. 
So my, my edu- I'm, a, I'm a leadership junkie. Uh, I, my education is in organizational leadership. I, I love thinking about leadership and how, how organizations, specifically churches, can grow and can meet the needs of their community. And I, I wanna start by sharing with you uh, three fairly famous leadership principles. And if you've been in this sector, you'll know these quotes. One, the first one is from Max Dupree. And he said, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. So the first responsibility of a leader is to come into a situation and objectively understand what's really happening and be able to define reality. Uh, The second principle I wanna share is from Stephen Covey, who famously said that one of the habits of highly successful people is to begin with the end in mind. So have a clear vision of where you're going and start there to know where you're heading. And Napoleon, combine those two when he said the leader's role is to define reality and then give hope. So basically, good leadership can kind of be boiled down to just a few things that sound so easy, but we all know that these things are not easy, is to define the current reality and then cast a vision of what could be. So can the leader say, look, everyone, here's where we are, and here's the problems we're facing, here's the obstacles, but this is where we're going, this is the vision where we're heading, and then cause people to be faithful to the journey along the way. Like that, that's really good leadership. We had some great readings today, and what I want you to do is to imagine with me that process one of bookend passages. The Gospel in Matthew is kind of defining the reality of the early church, and the Revelation being the end vision that we're working toward. So the Matthew passage is known famously as our Great Commission. Um, and the Revelation passage we all know is, is this beautiful picture of what could be one day, what will be one day when we overcome this world. And we're here together, living somewhere in between those two bookends as part of an amazing, difficult, messy, awe-inspiring, beautiful journey uh, that we are together working toward every single day. So on one end, we have Jesus giving us our great commission, the, the challenge that he gave the early church that would cause that movement to eventually grow to be a global family of God. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples. Baptize them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So some scholars and historians agree that this commission is one of the things that set Christianity apart from all the other Roman religions of the time. Uh, None of the religions at that time were evangelizing religions. They didn't go out necessarily and try to grow their sect or whatever they were trying to accomplish. But Jesus sends these little group of people out to tell people what was happening with their community, to convince them that Jesus was alive and to live out what they had seen Jesus living for the last three years. They could be bold, though, because Jesus promised to go with them through the power of the Holy Spirit all the way to the end of the age. So go, keep doing all the things that you've seen me do, Jesus talking. Bring hope to the hopeless. Include those who are left out. Pay close attention to those who are marginalized. Look for those on the underside of power. Heal people, deliver people. Go and live out this way that I've called you to live. I I, I told Father John, I I grew up Pentecostal, so forgive me if I get a little too excited this morning. 
And how long does Jesus tell them to do this? What's the expectation? And he says to the very end of the age. So Jesus defines reality in another part. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. This isn't going to be easy, but I'm commissioning you, church, to go and live out there like we've been living here in our community. And now let's look at the other bookend passage. And I wanna read a portion of that again because I think it's so beautiful. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all the tribes and all the people and all the languages and they were all standing before the throne of God. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes, they've made them white with the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they're before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will, will shelter them with his presence. Beautiful imagery. They won't hunger anymore. They won't thirst anymore. The sun won't beat down on them and scorch them anymore for the lamb is in their midst and he will be their shepherd and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I mean, that's some amazing stuff. That's a vision I want to live for. That's a vision that compels me to go out and do those things now. I don't have to wait until then to start working toward that end result. That vision compels me to live differently now. And I have to believe that this is exactly what Jesus had in mind when he sent those first disciples out and said, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. So go out, endure the suffering, hold hope, Don't give up. Go to the nations, because one day you will experience the fruit of the journey. And those disciples didn't obviously get to experience this end result, but in small ways, they understood the vision and they were working toward it. They were slowly but surely introducing people to Jesus, showing people how to live a godly way. Then they handed that baton to the next generation And that baton makes its way through the early church fathers and and on through the Middle Age and through the Reformation. And now we find ourselves here today in Raleigh holding this baton. It's the Great Commission baton and it's been passed down to us. The problem is that it can feel so heavy at times. There's so many hard things in the world. There's so much injustice. Why are we doing this? And I think it's because we've been commissioned. This is our reality. And because we know what vision we're working toward. The other bookend of our story. And people need to know that this life is available to them now. Here's the thing about the vision that we cast as as leaders. Is that it's not something that will automatically happen. For your church, it's just not automatically, your vision for the future of your church just isn't going to automatically happen. It's going to take slowly, incrementally, working toward those goals, that your vision inspires your life today. It should push us to make small steps in the right direction. So this amazing vision and revelation of what things will be like isn't something that we just sit around and wait on. No, Let let it inspire us now to push as hard as we can to push the darkness back in the world. We should be inspired to do the things that are mentioned in that passage, to alleviate hunger, to give water to the thirsty, to provide shelters, shelter for those in the scorching heat, and to wipe tears from eyes. Now, 
So one of my favorite parts of my job is that I get to, um, we get to work all over the world. And one of the things that we do is we ask partners to send us updates on their, um, can I get one of the, one of your bulletins for the morning? Um, no, just the bulletin's fine. Where you list your ministry partners. I thought I had it with me. Thank you so much. There it is. Uh, so we, we ask, we, we help partner with churches, Anglican churches, and we ask them for the reports back. And we've started now every week in our staff meetings, we will put reports from that week that we've gotten back from our partners at the very top of our agenda. So every Wednesday at 11, we, op- we get to our meeting and we read stories, brand new every week of global churches who are doing amazing things. And I opened this morning, we, I, I didn't know this was gonna be in here, but during prayers of the people, you're gonna pray for your ministry partners. And it's so cool because one of the people we'll pray for is Basoke. And Basoke's become a great partner of ours. And we're, we're actually right now raising money to help Basoke build a peace center in the Dominican Republic where tribal conflict and civil war is ravaging the place. But he has carved out this space of peace that people can come and get out of that and be trained in practical things but also receive healing prayer and also be introduced to Jesus. And what's amazing to me is that we are working on this, like this global family of 85 million, that seems vague until you get these stories. This is what we're doing together. We are alleviating hunger. (laughs) That's what the revelation said. We're bringing water to the thirsty and we're pushing back darkness getting people out of the scorching heat. That picture in Revelation was so vivid. And this, these are exactly the things that we get to do. Another one of your ministry partners you're gonna pray for this morning is the Diocese of Matana. And Bishop Seth is the bishop there. And we, I got to visit there just a few months ago. Completely overwhelming situation they're in. It's the lowest, uh, it's the country with the most poverty per capita in the world, in Burundi. And the population density combined with the poverty, combined with the needs, is just overwhelming. And so we are able to help, we're we're helping him right now build some classrooms and build some income generating projects where they don't have to rely only on outside support. So we're working on this stuff together. And that's what's so beautiful, I think, about your Anglican church, our Anglican organization, and our global and local Anglican family. These are the things that are happening in the world. Just two weeks ago, we, uh, there's a guy, he's a grandfather. He had served a prison sentence for 15 years. He had gotten out and now he has custody of his four grandkids. And he was impacted by a tornado in Mississippi and was praying for help rebuilding. And through a, I say random, through a God series of events, we were able to orchestrate six guys from all different parishes across the province. And they show up at Gus's house and help him completely renovate his kitchen. And to read what he wrote about how desperately he was praying for help. And then he wakes up one morning and hears that the next week these six men and women are coming to help rebuild his kitchen. That's what we're a part of. That's, we, this is the great commission that we're living out every single day. Uh, I have so many stories that I could share and I want the last one I'll share is we, we funded uh, after the major earthquake that happened in Turkey and Syria, we, we, we were able, one of the, one of the, another thing I love about ARDF is we can often get funds into countries that other people can't because of the global church. And so we were able to get some funds into Syria through one of our other prayer partners that you partner with in here. 
And this, this local church turned their sanctuary uh, into a, a home for about 60 people. And they were getting food, water, shelter, everything there in their church. And they were recording a video to send to us. So in the video, they asked the person who had been staying there, is there anything you want to ask us? And she says, you know, not in English, in a different language, I just don't understand why when there's rubble out there, it's only Christians who are in the rubble with us. With us. So this is not a Christian woman who's trying to figure out when disasters happen, and there's a lot of disasters in that part of the world, when there's rubble, why are the Christians always in the rubble? And I think it's because we've been commissioned to be there. That's what our first bookend tells us and commissions us to do. Get out in the rubble with people. And so I want to challenge you today for you to be bold. I don't know what that means for you. It probably doesn't mean, well it might, but it probably doesn't mean you're going to Syria. But it very well may mean that you're sticking with it with a very difficult family member. Or you're gonna get, you're gonna decide to pay attention to how maybe you could live Jesus more boldly wherever you walk tomorrow, wherever you drive today, whatever sphere of influence you have that you've been commissioned to go out, to spread the news of Jesus, to live the way Jesus lived in the presence of everyone you encounter. We've been commissioned for this. Look for the rubble, look for the brokenness because the other bookend promises that one day we'll be gathered up together and all of us who journey through this difficult life will be with God and the lamb will be in our midst and he's going to wipe away every tear from our eye. Well, we can't just rest until then because we've been commissioned. So Jesus gives us his authority, he sends us out, he promises us to be with us till the very end of the age and that same Jesus is powerfully present in this room today. Our current reality is that we've been commissioned to face this world of tribulation and we're equipped with Jesus and his Holy Spirit and we know where we're going. So let's lock arms, you and ARDF and your local ministry partners and your family and the small group you're in and however you're involved in this, this church and in your community, don't grow weary in well-doing. You were made to be in the rubble. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.